So I want to talk a bit about conspiracy theories. Uh, not like a lot of them, but just the idea of conspiracy theories. But first, let me tell you how I got there. Okay, uh, number one, what's up, Substackers? Good morning. I hope you're having a great day. I got to tell you, um, big shout out to all my homies on this Substack who work a nine-to-five job, which I know is probably, you know, most of you, right? Let me tell you, <laughs> let me tell you how much more grateful I am for the life that I have after this week. Um, you know, used to, I've been doing stand-up comedy since I was 16, but it's not like I was making any money at 16. So I did have to work, you know, regular jobs and then just like do stand-up whenever I wasn't at work. Uh, this often involved like me working at like retail so I could like, you know, get different shifts and blah, 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 blah. So like, it's not like I've never been in that world. I have, but not as an adult. And especially the past, sorry, I'm walking. <laughs> especially the past like seven years, the past seven years of my life have been immeasurably amazing. And like, I know that. I think I tell y'all all the time that I genuinely do wake up grateful every day for the life that not only I've carved out for myself, but also that the fans uh, who come to see the shows, who buy the books, who support this Substack have made for me. I am eternally grateful, but I do think sometimes I take it for granted how awesome my life is because this week, and before I say anything, because I got in trouble on Instagram for this, um, or no, excuse me, Facebook of all places, I'm working on a project right now um, that is in support of a an independent Appalachian festival in Harlan, Kentucky, right? So I'm helping, I'm, I'm a member of this group that is helping to organize it. And part of that job is coming up with ideas for shows and sketches and yada, 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 yada. So all week this week from nine to five, well, it's 10 to six, uh, nine to five central, I have been a part of what I just colloquially referred to as a writer's room. It is a bunch of comedians. There's improv artists. There's musical artists. We're all in a room together and we're pitching ideas. It's not like we're not sitting there writing scenes or writing scripts, but in my brain, like the way I, I would describe that to him, I was like, yeah, we're in a writer's room, right? Well, I didn't think it through. <laughs> and I posted a picture of me and my baby, really just wanting to post a cute pic of me and my baby. And I was like, the cool thing about, uh, the cool thing about having a writer's room on Zoom is that I can take full advantage of my break. And it was me and the baby hanging out. And of course, I, and again, I didn't think about this. On Facebook, there was a couple people who were just like, oh, okay, so no solidarity with the writer's strike. <laughs> and I had to edit the post to be like, this is not a union television thing. <laughs> this is a non-profit festival. Like, that's not how the writer's strike works. <laughs> it's about the writer's strike. The, the writers in the guild which for the record, I'm no longer a member of, but only because the, like I worked on, I got in the WGA, had their health insurance, and this was before the pandemic because we sold a pilot. Well, in order to stay on their health insurance, you have to, I can't remember the number, you have to make a certain amount of money every year to stay on it. Well, when the pandemic happened and I didn't write anything for television, so I got kicked out. And I'm not bitter. I'm just saying like, I'm not even in the guild to be on strike, but I wouldn't, 
I would not cross the picket line and take what was supposed to be a union job and go write for television right now. I do have solidarity with the WGA writers 100%. So I had to go edit it to make sure everybody knows. Um, the writer's strike doesn't mean it's illegal to actually take a pencil and put it against a piece of paper. <laughs> you can still write shit for yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? That would be insane if I just wasn't able to use Substack because there was a writer's strike. So that's not the point of anything. It just really frustrated me that, uh, I mean, again, I wasn't a hundred percent clear, but it did frustrate me that, that anybody would assume that I was a scab and furthermore, assume that if I was, I'd be stupid enough to say it out loud. <laughs> like, come on, man, give me a little bit more credit than that. But because of it, this writer's quote unquote writer's room lasts from 10 to six, which is a long time to be sitting in a group of people, a group of 20 people constantly talking. It's, it, to me, it feels like doing an eight-hour podcast, which definitely is and sounds easier than like mining for coal or roofing, but it is tasking mentally and frankly, a little physically because I don't think I've sat still that long in, I mean, honestly, I don't know. How, like, I, don't, I don't sit down during the day. Like, if, if I'm awake, I am moving. I'm at least standing up. The only time I sit down is to feed the baby, go to bed, or sit in my car to drive to the park. <laughs> That's it. My point is, is that just having to sit in a meeting for eight hours and not be able to make my own schedule and walk around, come talk to y'all, was is so hard on me. It's ridiculous. And like, that's me being a wimp. So like, I don't know, I genuinely do not know how people do desk jobs eight hours a day, 40, 40 hours a week or, or even more. I salute you all. Again, this is me fully admitting that I'm a wimp and uh, I'm so blessed for this lifestyle that y'all allow me uh, to live and that I've carved out for myself. The point is, we don't want to talk about conspiracy theories. Y'all know that I'm working on banking episodes for the new podcast that is uh, coming to this Substack first called Oh Yeah Daddy. It's about being a dad. It's about dad stuff. I'm interviewing dads. Um, I've got a couple interviews in the bank, but I'm making sure that I have like several to put out there before we launch Go so that y'all get the best quality that there is. Well, one segment that I want to do on there that I think will be a Substack exclusive is dad movies, right? And this all stemmed from me finding out about the term dad history. Now, when I first started pitching myself ideas for the podcast, I was like, well, if it's a dad podcast, I'm going to talk about stuff that dads are into. And I was like, first thing that came to my mind was like World War II, you know, Vietnam, like Civil War, because like in my experience, dads like that was always the cliche when we were kids like you turn to a dad you start wearing wool socks and reading books about world war ii a couple people i guess didn't have the type of dad i had growing up and they were like i don't know if that's true so i was like dude i gotta google this to validate myself and i started i was just typed in i was like why are dads into world war ii and then something came up it was a search that said what is quote dad history and they, they couldn't point out the Reddit user that apparently coined this, or even if they coined it, they might not have heard. But dad history is like a subgenre of history that is basically like those Bill O'Reilly, you know, killing Lincoln or killing Kennedy, 
like those books where like it's it's basically it's basically taking history and separating it with no nuance and it's just like here's the good guys here's the bad guys it makes for a good story um you know like i guess a dad history book would be like a book that it talks about george washington and the founding of this country but it completely leaves out the whole slavery part you know what i'm saying because it wants it to be easily digestible and make the reader feel good about the history that they're learning um now i'm definitely not for leaving out the slavery part but i do understand wanting to just read a heroic tale I think it can be problematic in the way that so much of our history that we learned in school was probably boiled down into quote-unquote dad history, and now we have a flawed view of what this country actually is, was, or will be. But I totally, I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to read a story that's good. You know what I mean? So I was sitting there, I was like, oh, that's what that is. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Like, my dad wants, my dad doesn't want to read a book about World War II that is challenging the idea that America saved the world. He wants to read a book that confirms, and I don't mean just my dad, I mean any dad. He wants to read a book that confirms his bias that we saved the world from the Axis powers, you know? And I was thinking, I was like, well, I don't really want to do that on the podcast. Like, I don't want to leave anything out, even though naturally I, it's impossible not to. Um, but I was like, I do want to talk about those things. Dad history, World War II, Vietnam. And then I was like, oh, also, you know what dads are super into? John Wayne. <laughs> like, westerns, John Wayne. And John Wayne sort of, like, fits into that category of a dude who is, has, was explained to me my whole life in a way of, like, dad history. Where it was like, here's this, you know, cowboy fella who was tough and was all you know no bullshit all business and made it as an actor and blah 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 blah. and you know turns out if you read about john wayne he was a bit of a prick <laughs> you know but those are things dads are into so i thought okay well we'll do another segment called dad movies where we take a movie that is like you know a movie that I, i'm sure that a lot of y'all have this same experience but like if you don't if you don't get along with one or more of your parents there's still a thing and often it's like a movie that you can always throw on and it's like a bridge in your relationship where it's like hey everything else in this world we disagree on but we both agree that gladiator rules right i'm considering that for uh the purposes of my podcast a dad movie and in so this is such a long way to get to conspiracy theories i'm sorry I'm sure you are thinking like there's some sort of conspiracy. He's sobbing us right now. Um, because of that, I thought, I was like, dude, I bet I know what a fucking good dad movie is. JFK by Oliver Stone. And I, surprisingly, had never seen that movie. And I have a pretty good excuse. I mean, when it came out, I was like four, right? So naturally, not going to see that movie then. And then as I got older, that movie's like three and a half hours long, y'all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying I don't like... A long movie like i just saw guardians of the galaxy volume three and frankly they could have added 30 minutes to it and i'd have been pleased and it was already two and a half hours long but it takes a very special evening for you to set aside especially when you have a wife and you're both trying to please each other on entertainment options to go okay i can watch this three and a half hour movie or we could watch six episodes of a series or two full 90 minute 
<laughs> movies and an episode of Seinfeld. It's hard to make that decision. But the other day she was cleaning and stuff and she's like, hey baby, just put it on whatever you want. And I turned on JFK and I was like, okay, I know it's a masterpiece. Oliver Stone's seminal work. This is going to be good. And, f and first off, it was. And I talked about like the only problem at all, in my opinion, with the movie is the Louisiana accent some people do. Like pretty much everybody in the movie. Um, but I quickly stopped caring because I was like, look, man, it's Kevin Costner. That's the deal with Kevin Costner. Like he's butchered pretty much every accent ever, but it's Kevin Costner, baby. You know what I mean? Let's just roll with it. Well, in watching this movie, I've always been like, I'm not, Ron Funches and Brent Terhune both have, both have bits that I'd like to explain right now where Brent Terhune was talking about how he used to be such a huge conspiracy guy and it was fun for him. It wasn't like he was in a basement wearing a tinfoil hat, but it was fun for him to be into him because it's like thinking about things in a different way and trying to connect threads and stuff. And he said that it really sucks that QAnon exists because now if you talk about any conspiracy, they think you believe all of them and you're a lunatic. And I was like, oh man, I relate to that so much. And then Ron Funches had a bit that was talking about people who... He's like, you don't believe any conspiracies? He's like, you think the government's just batting a thousand at telling the truth? And I was like, see, exactly this. Like, not believing in any conspiracies is insane. <laughs> like, try, the government trying to convince you that there's none of the conspiracy theories are true is in itself a conspiracy theory. But and I've always been super into the JFK one because, like, in my opinion, dude, just the surface level information that we have is proof enough that regardless of if Lee Harvey Oswald did or did not shoot Kennedy, there was more than one shooter. And I'm trying to explain that to so many people sometimes. They're like, dude, you know, just think about Occam's razor, the most simple solution. It was just Lee Harvey Oswald. He was a nut. And I was like, that doesn't explain the trajectory of any of these bullets. Are you crazy? And then I watched JFK and there was so much stuff that I had never read about or even considered like, you know, at the time, there were like three or four Lee Harvey Oswalds on file that had been spotted in different places like Cuba and Mexico or whatever, like right around this time. And it's like, okay, well, that's clear evidence that they were trying to plant this guy in different spots so that he looked more suspicious, right? And then Donald Sutherland has this like literal 40 minute <laughs> this is why the movie's so long because donald sutherland has like a 40 minute monologue explaining everything that would have had to happen in order for the assassination to be pulled off like it was and he's talking about how there was a lack of security detail that day and that he was supposed to be there and he was called off because he's like no this other group has it and he's like listen he's like you see these streets right here if if actual Secret Service was doing their job, there'd be a hundred guys here. None of them windows would have been open. They wouldn't have even let that guy open his goddamn umbrella. You know what I'm saying? And so it just, it, I mean, it confirms so many things from, I mean, you know, again, this is a movie and it's still possible that some lunatic came up with all this stuff. But like, dude, when you start putting the pieces together of this puzzle, it's like it, all I know for a fact, and I say fact, I don't know, maybe it was, maybe Lee Harvey Oswald hit him in the back of the head, but he wasn't the only one shooting. And, and that he didn't just flip and be like, I'm going to kill the president. Like that whole, I mean, he says, I'm a patsy. Jack Ruby kills him. Explain this part. Jack Ruby, 
right, who is big time mafia, the mafia whom hated JFK, right? The mafia, like, it's looking back now, very famously hated him because he was like him and his brother Bobby, who also got killed, were like trying to really go after the mob. And so you're telling me that Jack Ruby, this dude who had an absolutely amazing life and was a member of a group that hated Kennedy, was so upset at Lee Harvey Oswald for killing a man that he probably hated that he went and shot him just because, even though everyone knows that dude's going to die anyways, that alone don't make no goddamn sense. And I'm, so, I'm assuming I sound like a crazy person right now. But I'm saying all that to say I'm with Brent in that, dude, listen, if you go as far as to be like the Democrats scare innocent babies to get their adrenaline flowing so that they can crack their spine open and drink their adrenochrome fluid, yeah, dude, you've gone a little off the deep end. But with the JFK, I think that's a healthy conspiracy. <laughs> that's like a really good beginner's conspiracy if you're super wanting to get into conspiracies. And another thing that really made me want to talk about this and got me excited about it is that they say this in the movie. They, in the movie takes place in, you know, the 60s, 70s or whatever. comes out in 91. And in it, the uh, feller, I can't remember his name, that Kevin Costner plays, um, is talking about how he'll be dead and gone whenever they finally open the file on this. And that was another thing, too. They were like, listen, if it, all, if it really is as clear-cut as the government is saying, why aren't they showing you these documents? And by the way, everybody, these are your documents. These are American property. You pay the taxes for these documents. They should show you this. And they're clearly trying to hide something. He's like, so they're classified. He says in the movie they're classified till 2036, right? And he's like, I'll be dead and gone, you know, by the time these come out. But maybe my children or my grandchildren will see it. And I was like, 2036, okay. I was like, that's a, you know, that's a, I'll, I should be alive then, of course, by any measure. I'll be, you know, in my 50s or early 60s or whatever. But I was like, I could, I th well, I think, no, I'm probably way up. No, dude, I'm about to be 40. Holy shit. And I was like, I was like, okay, I, I you know, I got to keep the park walks going so that I can stay healthy enough to, to be there for that. And then I started doing some other research and apparently maybe it got moved up or they were just wrong in the movie, but I think that shit is coming out in 2027. So the point of everything that I'm saying right now is if you're out there and you need a reason to get in shape you need a reason to quit smoking to quit drinking to quit doing drugs let it be that if you can live for four more years we're about to find out a lot more information on who killed john fitzgerald kennedy and i for one am 100 percent here for it thank you for joining along on this park rant where I mean, this was this was quite a rant. I mean, it went everywhere. Um, these are some of the things that I will be talking about on Oh Yeah Daddy when it comes out. Like I said, banking episodes. But y'all gonna get it all first. Y'all, like, there's no way all the segments that I want to do can be in an episode and put it out. It'd be five hours long. So y'all get bonus stuff. It'll be great. I, you know, we tested the live stream the other day, and I think I, fi I figured out a great way to use it. We were talking about book club, and I'm not saying that won't happen in the future, 
but like logistically i don't know if that would make as much like you know getting everybody to like you, you got to read this we'd only be able to do it once a month you can't read a book in a week i mean you can but you can't ask people to do that but we can watch a movie per week and then come in and discuss it so tell me your thoughts on that i think it would be cool to watch quote unquote uh dad movies uh, you know, and talk about them on a live stream that is exclusive just to Substack. I think that would be fun. Let me know what you think in the comments and also fire off on some of your personal favorite dad movies or some dad history that you like. I think like the top, I'm going to go top five dad movies just off the top of my head, just off the top of my head. Uh, Saving Private Ryan, Gladiator, Patriot, Tombstone, and Goodfellas. Uh, maybe the depart, you know, that type of stuff you get, which by the way, all of those are literally just amazing movies with the exception of Patriot. Uh, I mean, listen, I love the Patriot, but it, the Patriot might be the greatest example of dad movie or dad history ever, because like the historical inaccuracies run afoot, but good Lord, does it give you a freedom boner? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, this was during the time when Mel Gibson could not miss and, uh, I could still watch the Patriot damn near every day. So Sorry that I have been a little off line this week doing the uh, old nine to five, which again, can't. Ooh, there's a train. Toot, toot. How y'all doing? Where y'all going? Chattanooga. Ooh, ooh. Uh, I've been doing the nine to five. And once again, respect to everybody who, who has to, has to do all that and are not wimps like me, who is a fragile, delicate artist who needs his space. I love y'all. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. Thanks for being here. Love you. Bye.